0: Good morning everybody. How are we? Good, we look good. I don't know how I'm going to follow that to be fair. That was that was incredible but today it is a privilege of mine to be able to share the word with you all and since we're speaking about God being our good shepherd it's only fitting that I start like this. God is good all and all the time. God is good. Amen. I remember the first time I heard that Not the day in particular, but the feeling or the lack thereof. I remember thinking, in what way is God good? How are we to understand his goodness? We use that word good for so many different things in the English language. Is he good the same way food is good? The same way pizza is good? Because if we leave pizza out for a couple of days, it becomes stale and its goodness ceases. Or is he good the same way that I can be good? As I said, my family's here with me today, and they will tell you, (laughs) if you're with me for a couple of days, I can become still, and my goodness can cease. But what about when life doesn't feel good? How are we to understand the goodness of God then? And that's what we're going to be exploring today. The goodness of God when life doesn't always feel good, particularly goodness of God in the context of him being our good shepherd but before we get into it let's let's pray let me pray father I thank you lord I pray that you just speak through me right now you you reassure your children that you are the good shepherd lord that you will not allow anyone to come out of your grasp lord And for those who do not yet believe, for those who are seeking, Lord, I I pray that you give them an assurance and convince them that you are our good shepherd. Amen. Amen. So last week, if you were here, Andy so beautifully explained to us that these I am statements that we are exploring come from Exodus chapter three, where Moses, where God appears to Moses in a burning bush. And Moses asks, when the people of Israel asked me to say, who sent me? What should I say your name is? And God replies, I am. I am who I am. And Jesus, when he's making these I am statements, is making that very same claim, that same claim to deity, that he is God, that he is sovereign, that he is Lord. And this is in the backdrop of a lot of confusion. If you read the previous chapters, you would see that There was confusion as to who Jesus actually was. In chapter 9, Jesus heals a blind man. And some people thought he healed a blind man by the spirit of a demon. So this is Jesus preaching about himself. He wants to bring an end to the confusion. He wants to tell people, this is who I am. And today we're exploring him being a good shepherd. Let's look at verse 11, if you've got your Bibles. Verse 11 reads, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays his life down for his sheep. Three things stand out to me straight away. One, Jesus being our good shepherd. Two, us being depicted as sheep. And three, this good shepherd laying his life down for us as his sheep. Why is it significant that Jesus is a shepherd? Well, we can learn a lot about a shepherd by the equipment or the tools that they use. Shepherds usually carry a rod and, as James showed us, a staff. With a rod, shepherds protect their sheep because sheep have a tendency of wandering off into danger. And with a staff, shepherds guide, they govern. So we learn from this that the Lord guides, governs, and protects those who are part of his flock, those who are submitted to him. Now, the second thing you'll notice in that verse is that we are depicted as sheep. Why sheep? If I was saying this, I would call us, I don't know, elephants. At least elephants are intelligent, strong, big. But sheep, why, why sheep? If anyone knows anything about the animal kingdom, you'll know that sheep aren't the sharpest tools in the toolbox. And I know we've got some very intelligent people here, but could it be that, like sheep, we have the tendency to wandering off into places that we shouldn't? To following things that we shouldn't? Could it be that human intellect, despite how good it is, is not a savior? It is not simple mindedness that we need freedom from, it is sin we've seen some of the most brilliant minds, some of the most educated minds commit the most heinous crimes. Education is great, but it is not a savior. The third thing we see is that the good shepherd lays his life down for his sheep. And let us just pause there for a second. Because depending on whether or not you grew up in the church, it can be very easy for us to get desensitized to the fact that the Lord lay his life down for us as his sheep. Let's just consider what it means for God, the Lord of the universe, to come off his throne and dwell amongst man, but not only dwell amongst man, but be tortured by man, spat on by man, ultimately killed by man, that very same man who he has come to free. One of my favorite preachers speaks about how Even if an angel lowered himself as to become an ant, it wouldn't be as significant as the Lord himself lowering himself to become a man. It is a significant thing. Let us never be desensitized to the cross and to what he done for us at Calvary. But let's move on to verses 12 and 13. Verse 12 says, the hired hand is not the shepherd, and does not own the sheep so when the sheep sees the wolf coming he abandons the sheep and runs away the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it the man runs away because he is a hired hand and he cares nothing for his sheep let's notice the contrast that Jesus is painting here on the one hand we have Christ our shepherd the good shepherd who lays his life down for his sheep. And on the other hand, we have a hired hand who flees at the very first sight of trouble. Why? Because he cares nothing for his sheep or the sheep that he's looking after. And how are we to understand hired hands in this modern context? Because it can be quite hard for us to picture it. Well, a very helpful way of thinking about a hired hand is like this. A hired hand is something or someone who is not worthy of our trust. They promise big, but they cannot deliver on their promises. Some people call these things idols. Some people call these things competing saviors. Not competing in that they have the same power and might as God, but competing in that they compete for our time. They compete for our attention. They compete for our loyalty. But idols, they cannot fulfill our needs. Even if we look to them for ultimate security, we can look to them for ultimate life. They cannot provide life. There is no life in a golden calf. But notice that these competing saviors, the reasons why we can go to competing saviors or hired hands sometimes is not for irrational reasons. Because sheep do need to be led sheep do need to be fed they do need safety they do need comfort they do need security but the hired hand is unable to meet the demands of this promise money career relationships all of these things are good things okay things but not saviors now notice that we are not told when the when the wolf comes the timing of the wolf So there could be a time or a season where it looks like the hired hand that we are going to instead of our good shepherd is fulfilling our needs. The career is giving me status and security. The relationship is making me feel ultimately loved and ultimately valued. But sooner rather than later, whether that be after a day, a year or a decade, the wolf will come and the hired hand will scatter, will run because idols do not care for you. Now, there is no guarantee that the wolf will not come if we are following and submitted to the hired hand, but there is a guarantee that we will never be forsaken by this good shepherd. We will never be left by this good shepherd and it is so essential for us to hold on to this truth that even when it feels like we've been forsaken we haven't been and when we feel weak and tired and we can't even bring prayers and petitions up to the Lord during these moments the book of Hebrews 3 verse 13 says that as brothers and sisters we ought to exhort one another daily Lest our hearts be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So during challenging times, we look up to the good shepherd for assurance, but we can also look to the side, to some good sheep for exhortation and encouragement. Moving on to verses 14 and 15. It reads, I am the good shepherd and, my, and I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for my sheep. What words stood out to you here? For me, it was just as. Just as the father knows Christ, the son, the good shepherd claims to know us. That is a beautiful, beautiful picture. Consider how the father knows the son. The father knows the son eternally, lovingly, unapologetically. And that is the same way the good shepherd claims to know us, his sheep. Unlike the hired hand, the good shepherd is not afraid to claim us. And he has the authority to do so. So be encouraged, because I know some of us could be sitting here saying, is he speaking about me? (laughs) Does the good shepherd know me? How can he know me? Well, I would say be encouraged. If you know yourself to be a believer, to be born again, then this good shepherd does know you. Even during times where it does not feel like it. And this knownness speaks of an intimacy. An intimacy that can grow, not just a head knowledge. An experiential one, a heart knowledge. It has a definitive start, but it does not have to have a definitive end. End. Now, you could be sitting here and saying, but Joshua, I sinned this morning. I sinned last night. Well, our good shepherd died to free you from that very sin you sinned this morning. And that doesn't give you a license to just go and sin and do whatever it is you want. We know that grace empowers us to live in holiness as well. But it does give us an assurance of our faith, that we are known and loved by this good shepherd. But what about those of us who aren't believers, who are maybe unsure? What should we think then? Well, let's look at verse 16. Verse 16 reads, I have other sheep that are not of this pen, and I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Did you catch what Jesus just said? He said, I must bring them in. I must, not I could, not it would be nice, not I would like to, but I'm bored or tired or preoccupied. I must bring them in and they will listen to my voice. How does Christ bring people in? Well, let's look at what Paul says in Second Corinthians chapter 5. We don't have to turn there. It's a lot of Bible flicking. <laughs> Paul tells us that as believers, we have become messengers of this message of reconciliation. So that means that us as mothers, fathers, uncles, aunties, guardians, we ought to keep on praying for our children because his sheep will listen and they will hear his voice because he must accomplish the mission that he set out to accomplish he must and they will listen to the preachers here to the teachers to the disciples keep on preaching keep on teaching keep on discipling because they will listen to his voice he must bring them in and to the laymen. In the kingdom of God there's no layman if you're a believer he calls you a minister of this message of reconciliation as well he calls you one inscripted into the army of God to push back darkness and to usher people into his marvelous light your efforts are not in vain they will listen to his voice he must accomplish his purpose let's look at the final two verses Verses 17 and 18. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life. Only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. And I have the authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. It's a beautiful thing that the laying down of his life. Jesus' is laying down of his life is not the end. <clears throat> Jesus laid himself down that he might pick himself up. And he has the authority to do so and that is so key. This was not cosmic child abuse as some skeptics put it. Jesus authoritatively, sovereignly, lovingly, willingly laid his life down that he might also pick himself up and free us from this bondage of sin. If death was the end, then us as his sheep, we would have much reason to fear. (laughs) But it's not, and we thank God for the resurrection. And it says that Jesus today lives to intercede for us, to pray for us. So even now in glory, Jesus has not left his heavenly post, as the good shepherd. Jesus is our eternally good shepherd. So to close, church, let us have assurance of our faith. Let us know that the Lord, this good shepherd, he he guides, he governs, he protects, and he gathers even when life doesn't feel good, even when we are wrestling and grappling with the real and hard and difficult tensions of life. Let us not just be people who listen to our feelings as though our feelings are sovereign, but let us be a people that speak truth to our feelings when our feelings lie. Again, this doesn't mean that we should ignore or suppress. The Lord has more than enough capacity to deal with our deepest and darkest emotions. Just look at the book of Lamentations. But be encouraged, believers, because you will not be snatched out of his hand. And for those listening and who do not know him, take comfort that he laid his life down, that you might know him one day. So when we go into a time of prayer, don't miss the moment. Don't miss the moment to just pray for the Lord to... Open your heart to receive him. The Christian life isn't about transformational moments. It is about a transformed lifestyle when we meet the person of Jesus. But a transformed lifestyle can come out of a, transform- can come out of a transformational moment. So don't miss it. Ask for prayer. Open the scriptures. And there will be rejoicing here in CCB the same way there will be rejoicing in heaven. As another sheep is returned to the flock. So, to close, let's, let's say it again. Say it one more time. God is good. And all the time. All the time. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are the good shepherd. You are the eternally good shepherd, Lord. Lord, take the, the the words that we've said to thee, the illustrations that we've painted, and do a miraculous work in the hearts of all people, Lord. Give us an assurance that you are the good shepherd who loves us and does not forsake us, Lord, and compel people to be drawn to you, to come back to you, Lord. We don't want to leave here the same.